0: Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today, on A Transforming Word.
1: Think about someone dying, standing before God. He says, I went through some difficulty to say I sent my only son to earth. First time in eternity, we've been one for eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we've never been separated, but I endured separation from him you so you can be saved. I watched him be disrespected. I watched him be humiliated. I watched him be beaten. I watched him endure pain. I watched him die
0: on the cross for you. Did you realize that Father God loved you that much? What a marvelous thought. Did you ever think of the cross that way? In today's message, Pastor Bill explains that the Father experienced pain for our salvation. Father God had to forsake Jesus, his son, for our sake. This must have hurt Father God tremendously. Jesus did not have to leave the Father's side in heaven to come to earth to redeem us, but he did. Let's thank the Father and Jesus the Son for all they went through to fix our messes. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Timothy chapter one for today's edition of A Transforming Word.
1: Just a brief uh, recap from last week as we started 1 Timothy. book written by the Apostle Paul to a young Timothy, uh, someone he was discipling. And it looks like Timothy was the guy that Paul had in mind to take over in his stead. Paul's life would be coming to an end. And so we said last week that everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Timothy. Everybody needs a Paul, someone that you look up to spiritually, someone that's beyond you spiritually that can pour into your life, that can speak truth to you. And as we grow in the Lord, we also need to become Timothy. We all need to, I'm like, we also need to be become a Paul and be a Timothy to someone else. And so just as much as I need people to be pouring into me that I might grow, I also need to look for those that I can reach out to and pour into and, and bring them up. And if the body of Christ is always doing those two things, everybody's always progressing. So you're always getting helped and you're always helping someone else along and one day, those that you've helped along, you'll see them grow up, and they'll be helping others along, and then the work will just continue in that way. So that's what Paul was doing with Timothy, and uh, he said of Timothy that it was a, he was a true son in the faith. And Paul looked at Timothy as someone that he could trust, someone that understood him, someone that had his heart, and so he was investing in a, a it was, Timothy for Paul was a a good place to invest, a good disciple, someone good to spend time pouring into, and so. Last week, uh, and and as the book breaks down, we said chapter one was the, we're looking at the church and its message. When we get to chapter two, we'll be looking at the church and its members, and it'll go on in that way throughout the book of 1 Timothy, but today, um, as we moved on, Paul looked at the message and how important it was, and we talked last week about that, how that today people want to change and manipulate the message. And we've got to be careful that that one, we know the message, the message of the gospel, um, that we're not... Um open to variations of it because there are a lot of variations of the gospel that are no longer the gospel that are available today. So uh, people have presented a gospel that takes all the teeth out of the gospel. There's a, a gospel today that won't require you to change anything at all. I'm just saying that's not the gospel. In Paul's day, it was a gospel that was more legalistic. It was a gospel that was adding to uh, when you add to the gospel, something that you do to help salvation happen. You take away from the power of God. If if, if what Jesus Christ did on the cross, is not enough to save you. Think of what a slap in the face that would be to God to say, Jesus, you died. I mean, you left heaven, all your glory. You came to earth. You were disrespected, treated poorly, died in my place on the cross, nailed in your hand, nailed in your feet, crown of thorns on your head. You died in my place. That's almost enough to be saved. I need that and, and then me doing something else. And so the Judaizers would say, you got to all that believe in all that and then get circumcised. Then you can be saved. So we got to be careful today of of those groups. There are groups today that would say, believe all that. Then afterwards, come down, be baptized in the name of Jesus. If it's the name of the Father, and the Holy Spirit doesn't count in the name. And then come out of the water speaking another tongue. Then then you're saved. I'm telling you all that's false. That's not true. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, do you believe that Jesus died? Do you believe you're a sinner? You believe he died on the cross in your place, rose from the grave. The Bible said if you believe that, believing that will change the way you live. It will change your life. And so that's the gospel. We don't want to we don't want to change it ourselves as we present it to other people. We also don't want to be open to people changing it because we live in a world right now where for different reasons, um, I believe Satan is behind much of it, because uh, if, you, if, if you believe in the gospel, that's not the real gospel, then you haven't. You won't have all the benefits of having believed the gospel, which is salvation, forgiveness of your sins, the hope of heaven, uh, knowing that you won't go to hell when you die, because hell is also a very real part of the real gospel message. God is saving you from something. Right. And I'm telling you, you need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from separation from God. Right now you're separated from God on earth. When you die, you'll be separated from God in an eternal state. Bible calls it hell. Um, That's so you need to be saved. So sometimes people need to understand that that's a part of the gospel that people are taking out. But people don't want to hear about hell. Nobody wants to hear about hell. When you go to the doctor, you don't want to hear bad news. But if it's bad news to be known, I might do something about it. If I go to the doctor and I got cancer and the doctor's like, it's a really mess up his day. If I tell this guy he got cancer, I'm not going to tell him. I'll leave the doctor happy that day. But, you know, a year or two later when it takes over and they say, if you had caught this earlier, you could have done something about it. I'm going to look that guy up and lose my salvation for a few minutes. You know, I won't appreciate it later. You know, so you can lead someone to believe that, you know, God just forgives everything. You just can go on and you're you keep on doing what you're doing. I bet there's people in hell right now, right now, mad at all the people that they knew that knew where they were going and didn't say something, didn't give them the truth. So I don't want to be that. I'm not going to be that pastor. We don't want to be those people. I'm not running from the people facing you're going to hell. But it, when I'm sharing the gospel. You better believe that's a part of it. Hey, you know why? Because if you die like that, right, you, you're just where you would go to hell, right? It's a place of outer darkness, really, really bad, weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, fire and brimstone. But I got good news. Jesus would save you from all that. Give your life to Him. That's how the good news becomes good news, right? I go in and say, "You got cancer, but I got this pill right now. If you take it right now, to be gone like that." Why well, give me that pill. I'll be taking that pill out with no water. Just swallow it, you know. So you know we want to be careful we live in a time where people are really messing with the message and so in this chapter like in last week paul dealt with the message this week paul is more looking, we're looking at some of his personal testimony how the good news impacted him what god has done and i my hope is that this will encourage us that there isn't anybody beyond the scope of god's use sometimes those of us that have that have been really really messed up god's got a really great plan for it. and so look at uh, we left off at verse 12. So we're picking up at verse 12 today. First, Timothy, chapter one, verse 12. Paul says this. And I think Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor and an insolent man. But I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And so first Paul says, man, I thank God. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me in the ministry. Paul said, I'm thankful that I've been blessed. God's put me into the ministry. God's given me something to do for him. And then he reflects back on what he was. And so some of you were in that place. Some of you were here and God's put you into the ministry. God's given you gifts and you're aware of those gifts and you're serving God with those gifts. God's put you into the ministry. Um, The word minister, ministry, it speaks of service. And so someone being put into the ministry is a, it's saying yeah, you've been put into a place of service. You get to serve God. However, we serve God in many different ways. And when we got here this morning. Some people serve God by cleaning bathrooms. Some people serve God by sweeping floors, setting up chairs, doing electric sound, whatever. Some people serving God right now by being with kids. And we, a lot of different ways in which people serve the Lord. But Paul said, man, I thank God. I thank God. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who enabled me because he has counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And then Paul said, but I want you to know what I was. And he looks back where he says, although I was formerly a blasphemer. And so Paul spoke the wrong things about who God was. And he said, I was a persecutor. For you guys that know Paul's testimony. He wasn't a Paul, wasn't a um, a passive nonbeliever. Um, Paul was actively uh, persecuting the church. He was coming against churches. He was jailing people, seeing to it that people were beat for their faith. Paul was against Christianity. He was, uh, you know, just as as much as you could be against it, that's where Paul was. He was responsible for the first known uh, martyr in the church, a guy named Stephen. Paul was there and they threw their clothes at Paul's feet. It's, it's, it's believed that Paul was the one with the authority. He was like the shot caller saying, yes, I'm condemning him. You guys go ahead. And they threw their coats at his feet as they went and stoned this man, Stephen, to death after he preached a powerful message in the book of Acts. Paul was there. And so. Imagine the guilt that you would have. You know, everybody here that, you know, I have guilt from my time as a non-believer. As I look back at, you know, people's lives that I have messed up, I feel bad about that. I genuinely do. I sold drugs for a season. And so I know people that I sold drugs to now. I feel bad about that. I feel bad that some of them are still in bondage. Some of them it's gone worse. I feel bad about that. There's, there's parts of my past that I can never go back and change. And when I look at them, it's like, man, I I, I bear guilt. I feel bad. I know I'm forgiven. I know God's forgiven me and cleansed me and washed me. But I look back and I'm like, man, I'm not proud of what I was without Christ. Paul's not either. Paul says, man, I was a persecutor. And I'm sure that he bore that guilt, especially now as a believer to say, man, I jailed Christians. I, I, I was I was there when they stoned this man to death. Imagine the imagery. I don't know if you guys have ever seen a stoning. I don't recommend you go look it up. I watched one um, and it's it's brutal. Um, I, don't know if you, I, I didn't know the whole process, how they do it. But they start with small rocks. So they, they sometimes when they would stone someone, they would be buried in the ground. Only thing showing is only thing up is their head and start with smaller rocks. And so just pain, bigger rocks, you know, concussions, hematomas. And eventually they when they're all the way done, the person almost done, someone comes with a final stone. They smash it on top of them. It's a brutal process. It's not just a. You know, it's a a brutal thing. And so imagine having done that, having been a part of it, and then realizing that you did it to someone that is a believer as a Christian. Paul bears that guilt. That's how he's living. And so Paul says, man, I mean, imagine when he says, I thank Christ Jesus, my Lord, who counted me faithful and put me in the ministry, even though I used to be this, even though I was formerly a, a blasphemer and a persecutor. Paul is saying, man, he's recognizing God's mercy, God's goodness in his life. I don't know that anybody can read Paul's letter and think that, God can never use me. You know, I, I mean, so much. I don't think God could ever use me. I used to I used to gangbang Paul. I used to smoke dope Paul. we just point him right here. Why he can't use you? Just Paul. I just go right here. Like there there isn't anything you could have done outside of Christ that God wouldn't wash you, cleanse you, forgive you and renew you and begin to use your life. And that's where that's a part of the gospel that we have to remember, too, because what happens in the spirit realm with the gospel, like I still remember what I did. But in God's sight, does it exist at all anymore? God says when you become into Christ, you become a new creature, right? All old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. So as far as God is concerned, it's it's not there anymore. I I, I got a fresh slate. And everybody here that's put your faith in Christ and and began to relate. You have a fresh slate with the Lord. God's not looking at what you were. God's looking at what you are in him, a new creation in him. Now his spirit resides in you. Now, everything you need for life and godliness is, is provided to you through Jesus Christ. There's nothing hindering you from moving forward in a new life and serving God. And so I recommend this that, you know, I, I think for people that when they were in the world, no, they went hard. And some of you guys went hard in the world, whatever you were into. Some of y'all were clubbing. Y'all went hard. Stay out all night. Know you got to get up and go to work in the morning, but you did it anyway. You just, you know, spend all your money on whatever you needed to go out and do whatever you were into. Some of us went hard. I mean, hard. And then we get saved. And it's like, then we go all We go all soft. And It's like, well, you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I think if you went hard out there, um, I think it's a rip off. If you come to Christ and you don't go hard. And one of the things I love about the Apostle Paul is that he did go hard in the world. When he wasn't with God, he went hard. But when he came to Christ, he went harder. He went, he went, he even went further. You know, he didn't come to God and slow down and lose all of his zeal and passion. It was all redeemed. All his zeal, all his passion was now redeemed in a way that God could use it. And so I challenge everybody here to think about your life before Christ. What were you? What were you impassioned about? What were you spending your time doing? What were you into without Christ? And now that you're in him. Does God have the same access to you that the enemy did? Can he use you the way that the enemy was using you? Are you as available to him as you were then? If not, it's a ripoff. And so Paul says, man, I thank God, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. And then he says this, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And that's important to know. You know, Paul said, look, I, I was ignorant. I didn't know. And most of us could look back and when we didn't know the Lord and say, "You know what? I didn't know. I was I was lost. I was blinded to spiritual things. I'm embarrassed about some of the things I did and said as a non-believer, um, especially with regard to Christ, as there were people that tried to witness to me at different times. And being that I was lost and I didn't know, the way I treated some people that witnessed to me, I'm 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 sorry now. I wasn't sorry then because I was ignorant and I had unbelief. But now that I realized, man, they were trying to save my soul. I'm like, and I talk to them like that. I feel bad about that. I don't know where they are now. I can't go back and get them and say sorry, but God knows, you know. Um, Paul said, I did it ignorantly and unbelief. And so I, I, that was my condition then, ignorance and unbelief. And so he said, I, I obtained mercy. And so I think it's important for us to understand that the reason why, how come Paul's able to go forward? He said, I, I've obtained mercy, right? I don't, I, God's not giving me what I deserve. That's how I come that's how I can move forward in God. I've obtained mercy from him. And so mercy is a, it's an important part of the gospel, right? As, as much as God gives grace and gives us what we don't deserve and all of that, God said, also, I give mercy. I, I release you from guilt, you guys, what you do deserve. And, you know, you feel like I need to pay for what I did. God said, mercy, you don't get what you deserve. You get a fresh slate in him. What this should produce in the life of the believer is it should produce, it should be easy for us to worship. Uh, there should be no lack of motivation to serve to God after, after all that you've done for me. Um, my response to that should be it should just flow from my life service to the Lord. Verse 14, it says "And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And so, again, he speaks of the grace of God. The grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant. God just giving me what I don't deserve. And, and Paul was gifted. Um, God right out the gate. You know, God had a purpose and a plan for his life. And Paul is recounting these things. He was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And I think it's interesting that Paul is sharing all this with Timothy. Timothy would be more like the kid that grew up in a Christian family, had Christian heritage. Um, as early as he can look back, he knew the Lord. And he's just growing in his faith. He's get, he's going to grow deeper in his faith. Paul was saying, Paul was like that guy who's like, man, I was out there, I smoked crack, I shot people, I did it all. Now I got saved. That's Paul's testimony. Timothy's the other guy where it's like, hey, I, I just... I really, I never did drugs. I never got drunk. I never fornicated. As F- far as I can look back, I believed in Jesus. And so, some people think that this wild, crazy testimony is I, I, some. There are kids that are stupid enough. I hope y'all don't, but there's kids stupid. Well, I'm gonna just live my life. I gotta, I gotta build up my testimony. I, I've heard people say this. I gotta build up my. <laughs> that's the stupidest thing I have ever heard. I'm gonna just say this. I thank God that He'll give someone over here a, that He'll, that God to redeem us out of this. Cause I'm, I'm from this. But I'm telling you that the better story is right here. The person that says, man, God's kept me. God gave me a spiritual heritage. I had parents that taught me in the Lord. and I grew up in the God. and I never got that far out. The God, God kept me from. I'm saying that's a better testimony. Don't feel like if you're young and you ain't blown your life out. Don't feel like you got to go do that because some people never make it back from there. Some people never make it back. Some people trying to go build up their testimony die in their sin. And so if you've been graced to be here praise God for that that's a testimony thank God for how he's kept you thank him for what he's done to bring you into a knowledge of him early be thankful for that that's Timothy Paul again Paul's over here and and we can thank God for both right we both go to the same heaven we both serve at the same churches we both come hand in hand and we you know we need both God did great things through Paul and he would do great things with Timothy Um, but there there is the difference so Paul said look um, his grace the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. And so um, and I just want to point those components, faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Just those both fruits, things that should abound and flow from the life of the believer. Verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And so Paul says, first. Hey, here's a faithful saying. It's worthy of all acceptance. And he just tells us, what did Jesus come here for to save sinners? And then Paul says, whom I'm chief. I'll come back to the fact that he says I'm chief. I think we need to remember that, that Jesus came into the world to do one. He came to save sinners. That's what he came for. He was fine. He was in heaven where he belonged. Um, he was being worshipped by the angels 24 seven. He was being receiving honor and glory 24 seven like he deserves. He interrupted all of that and came to earth because there were sinners because we needed help came into the world to save sinners and when i when i recount when i look at the story and i look at the gospel story i look at what god did all that he did to make provision for my mess-ups um and i realize that that's what jesus came to do he came to save sin he came to inter- and intervene in people's lives so two things either you're if you're a believer and if you receive that god's intervening in your life um then god wants to continue that work because he came one time and the first time Jesus came, he came to do what? He came to die for sin. He came to save sinners. When he comes back, what's he coming to do? The judge. It's going to be different. Right. He came the first time saying, hey, I'm on this. I'm on. A, I'm am throwing out life vests. And, 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 and what's the circle things? Uh, the life savers. I'm, I'm on a salvation mission on the first trip. And so people misunderstand that, you know, he's coming back to judge. It's going to be different. You don't want to hang around for the second the second trip. You know, you you want to be ready. You want to be ready to meet him. And so some people won't even make it to then. You don't want to meet God in judgment um, because as awesome as he is in salvation and grace and mercy and his goodness and his, all of that. He's just as awesome in his judgment. And so, um, you know, it's like someone that can love deeply, but also you don't want to cross Him. You know, you know, people like that where it's like, man, it's just it depends on what side of them you fall up. They love you. They love you hard. But if you cross them, you get all crossed up. You know, Um, that's that the Lord is saying, look, I I, if if you come for salvation. Oh, man, everything you need. I mean, I have mercy, grace, forgiveness, justification. I mean, I just lavish it upon you. You die in your sin. You die having rejected Jesus. It's a bad thing. Think about someone dying. Standing before God who says, I went through some difficulty to save you. I sent my only son to earth. First time in eternity. We've been one for eternity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We've never been separated, but I endured separation from him for you so you could be saved. I watched him be disrespected. I watched him be humiliated. I watched him be beaten. I watched him endure pain. I watched him die on the cross for you. He did all that for you and I sent people to tell you the message of what he did for you and you blew it off and you blew it off and, you blew, and now you die and you stand before God having rejected it. Um, you're not in a good space. You're not on the right side of God. At that point there is nothing left but judgment and so as awesome as salvation is completely wiping away your sins, promise of heaven, you know hope for the future, all these different things. Hell is a horrible thought um, and so You know, Paul says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I wanted to point out the last part of verse 15, um, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. He says, of whom I am chief. When Paul says that he's the chief of sinners, it's not that he's the worst sinner in the world. But Paul is recognizing that he recognizes his sin. And so for some people, they look at this and they think, man, Paul was a he was still as a believer. He was the worst sinner. That's not what it is. If you what you'll find as you look at Paul's writings is that the closer he got to the Lord, the more aware of his sinfulness he became. He's not he's actually doing better. He's, you know, saying the is having his work in Paul's life. He's, he's probably a much holier man. But the longer he walks with the Lord, Paul is saying, man, I'm just more aware of my own sinful condition. If you're writing notes, write this down, write down first Corinthians fifteen nine. here, Paul calls himself. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. They're all the apostles. I'm just the least of them all. Now, as I read it, Paul's the greatest of them all. Paul wrote more than any of them. He wrote the majority of your New Testament. Um, No one did as much as far as action that I can read in my New Testament than Paul. But Paul says, I'm the least of the apostles. Then if you write down next, write down Ephesians chapter three, verse eight. And he says, "Um, I'm the least of the saints. I'm the least of all the saints. First, I'm the least of the apostles. Then Paul says, now this is after this. So time has gone by since he saw himself as the least of the apostles. Now he goes on further and Paul says, you know what? (laughs) I'm not just the least of the apostles. I'm the least of all the saints. That's all the Christians.
0: First Timothy four, verse seven through 10 says this, training yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is a value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance for to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living god who is the savior of all people especially of those who believe we all know exercise is good for the body But have you considered lately how your soul needs exercise too? We have a long race ahead of us before we get to go home to the Father, and we need to be in shape for the journey. You've made a great first step by being here with us on a transforming word. Hearing the word of God transforms our lives. What's your next training step? Is it to spend some time in prayer or perhaps to go out and find a place to serve? Or maybe it is to take the step of giving. Whatever it is, embrace your soul training today. A transforming word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. In this series, Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of 1 Timothy, where we find many golden nuggets of wisdom for the journey. If your next step in training is to give, hop on over to calvaryenglewood.org to give online, or you can download our app and give from there. Once again, That website is CalvaryEnglewood.org. Thank you for being a part of this ministry. We'll see you here next time as we journey together here on A Transforming Word.